What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brennan and Damo back in the show, and we are talking about the Washington Wizards 2-0 and to start the season. They manhandled the Toronto Raptors in the season opener, and then in the home opener, an overtime thriller victory over the Indiana Pacers off the game winner from Davis Bertans. Hell of a slate this week for the Wizards. We'll get to that towards the end, but Damo, we're here, man. 2-0, and you really couldn't have asked for a better start given the circumstances without Bradley Beal against the Indiana Pacers and then just making Toronto look less than pedestrian. What is your reaction for our 2-0 and start? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, when we did the the uh, first podcast for the season, I, I had them losing to the, to the uh, Pacers and beating the Raptors. Um, so for them to come out of it 2-0 and and then to throw on top of it, like you said, no Beal. Like, I mean, we were 2-10 and last year with no Beal. Um, and then the way they did it, like, it was no Beal, but they still were able to put up over 130 points and were able to get timely stops. So it was just like, yeah, this is not the same Wizards from last year. Um, which we we didn't expect it to be, but it's just kind of like I thought there would be a little more uh, kind of adjustment, acclimation into new roles because you basically have basically have five new guys in the rotation. Like from from mm-hmm. your starting lineup from last year to the starting lineup this year, it's basically uh, four. Well, yeah, basically four new guys. Um, mm-hmm. If you count Gafford too, because he wasn't in the starting lineup last year, and uh, we only had him for like twenty some games. So, uh, it, yeah, for them to be two and zero right now, I'm just like, whoa! Like, if this is the worst the Wizards are gonna look this year, um, man, we might we might be for be in for a treat. So, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic, man, about what I'm what I'm seeing. Yeah, I had them losing that game against the Pacers too. Uh, I really wanted to pick them and say they were going to go ahead and win. And then after we heard Beal was going to be out, I'm like, okay, well, we definitely are, are probably going to lose. I didn't think they'd play bad. I figured they'd play good basketball, but I just didn't know how they would do without one of the best scorers in the league. But um, Spencer Dinwiddie stepped up, and that what, what did he have, 34, 36 points, something like that? I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was 34. Yeah, yeah, 34 and like nine assists, six rebounds. And he had the the two threes at the end, which were insane at the end of regulation. Then I believe he had one three in overtime. That was pretty huge, if I remember correctly. So um, the narrative that Spencer Dinwiddie can't shoot, and and this is based off the numbers we've seen so far this regular season and in the preseason, Spencer Dinwiddie can shoot the basketball a little bit, can't he? For sure. And and, and, and I mean, I I won't say that it was a narrative because I think it was true. Like, he couldn't shoot. Um, based on what you had saw from him his first few years in the league. But I think what's kind of been to his favor is that he's really been out of basketball for almost two years. Like he, you know, at the time that he got hurt, he kind of missed the back end of the season. And then, you know, he basically he was healthy, but they didn't want to bring him back and risk it when they were already kind of, you know, uh, uh, injury depleted so it was like he got to basically just do skill development while he was already healthy and not playing and i think he really really worked on like all of the workouts i saw of him 
or him working on that pull-up three. That exact shot that he hit in that clutch moment, and it was just like, whoa. I'm like, if Dinwiddie going to give you six threes or, you know, he going to give you two, three, four threes a game, I mean, at the percentage, at a, you know, above league average percentage, that's a game changer, man. Um, and then his ability to take care of the ball, like, you know, nine assists, no no turnovers. Like, that's – yeah, uh, I'm loving it, man. Loving it. Uh, so before we go ahead and get to too much into the positive and then get to our slated games this week, uh, let's touch on the the little bit of negative stuff that we saw. I think uh, the, the the two underwhelming players in preseason, we had Denny Avdia and Davis Bertans, but – the two negatives I'm seeing so far into the season, again, I think Denny Avdia is the consistent one. And then um, I think Aaron Holiday is probably the other. But what do you think so far about um, Denny? And then we'll get into Aaron a little bit. Yeah, so kind of like we talked about before, I mean, like my, my initial concern with him coming out in the draft was just like, uh, you know, it, it, he's a guy that needs the ball to be effective. and he struggles to shoot it. Like when you shoot 50% or sub 60% from the free throw line, that typically doesn't bode well to you shooting it well in the pros. And it's just like, okay, well, if he's a guy that needs the ball to be effective and you can't really play him off ball because he's not a good enough shot, uh, shot maker, where does he fit? And now, you know, we have Dinwiddie here. We have deal. Of course you have, uh, uh, you have Kuzma, you got Rui that's going to eventually come back. Uh, you know, you got uh, a Trez off the bench. Those are guys that are going to score the ball. Um, and it's like, <clears throat> where does Denny fit in that equation offensively? Because if he's not going to be able to shoot the ball, you can't just, he can't just be a like catch and shoot guy. And he hasn't shown the ability to break guys down off the bounce, use that left hand or get to the rim, get fouled and then make free throws. So do you trust him with the ball enough to take it out of a Dinwiddie or Beal or Kuzma's hands to, to try to develop that part of his game? And it's for me, the answer is no. So if that's the case, then where does he go? What do you do? Right. With him? Um, you know, I kind of watched, you know, I watched Josh Giddy and I was a fan of Josh Giddy coming out. And I was just like, you know, that's kind of what I think Tommy envisioned for Denny coming out. A guy that's six, eight plus that that has that kind of phone booth handle. It can kind of break you down off the dribble, catch the rebound, push the ball, pass it. But I don't see that that level of uh, handle or off the dribble game with Denny. I, I just I've been waiting to see it. Like, I feel like he's had opportunities and he's gotten the ball top of the key to kind of do his thing. And I just see the same thing. I see him trying to go right and he don't really have an explosive first step to get by anybody. He don't have like that change of direction. You know, like I said, that phone booth handle where he can right, left, you left, right, you and, and, and get by you. And then if he does get fouled, He's missing free throws. So, sure. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm calling him a bust or anything. I just don't. I'll just say this. If if there is a deal to be had 
to bring to get something back that the Wizards could use, he would be to me a guy that you would put in there to try to move to try to cash in on that asset before more and more tape gets out there, and then that then that becomes a depreciating asset. So that that's kind of where I'm at with it, with in regards to him. And then is you know some of the other disappointments. I I, I can't really say it's a disappointment, but I would just say. They need another big man because um, we saw in that Pacers game when you go up against elite front courts like a Miles Turner and a uh, Sabonis, Gafford, I don't know that he can be all the way trusted yet to stay out of foul trouble. That still seems like that's going to be a thing this year. Um, and Trez is a, is a great backup big, but when Trez got to play against elite front courts, like you got to be – Again, you got the Miles Turner Sabonis, um, just in your conference. Like it, it, you got you got a kid in Miami. Uh, his name is escaping me. Bam, out of bio. Like if Gafford gets in foul trouble, there goes our paint defense. So I feel like we might need one more big that's a big body that can kind of play with his uh, feet down and not not get in foul trouble. Just in case you have those, you know, break glass. Big man, when when Gafford gets in foul trouble, um, but other than that, I'm 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 okay on Aaron Holiday. Like to me, he was always the third point guard. So yeah. I, the way he's played, I, you know, I'm not I'm not mad at the way he's played. Like he was the third guard in Indiana. I the way Neto was playing, like I expect Neto to be better than him. So you know, sure. I'm not I'm not out on Aaron Holiday for what I think he was brought here to do. Sure, that's fair. And going back to Denny, it's, um, you know, I'm one of the biggest Denny supporters that you can probably find on Wizard Twitter, but I'm not oblivious to knowing what the team needs to be out there on the court, and I'm not going to push an agenda simply for uh, saving face and saying that I like the guy. I mean, it's it's pretty safe to say at this point that it's kind of tough looking at his role and looking at his skill set and saying or and seeing how you can put him in over other guys that are playing so well right now. So uh, I agree, you know, if they want to keep him as depth, I mean, you could have much more depth. Uh, again, this isn't us saying that Denny is a bad player. Again, like, you know, he's not a bust or anything like that. It's just uh, there are certain roles that need to be filled when the the bench comes in, and I just I don't know what his role exactly is going to be right now. I mean, he's done some good things distributing the ball, but um, there are other guys on the bench that need the rock too, and it seems like they're going to stagger their starters a little bit more, which, by the way, I've been loving the rotation so far. Um, it's hard to, to pinpoint a role for him. Uh, and uh, going to the third big, I totally agree. And for those saying that, well, we just need to wait for Thomas Bryant to come back. Again, I'm a, I'm a big Thomas Bryant supporter too, but Thomas Bryant is just not that guy that's going to help where we need him to help. And that's what this is all about when we talk about fit. Right. Talent-wise, Thomas Bryant is better than any free agent center right now, all around. Um, there's no debate. Uh, Denny is probably a lot better than um, some wings across the board that are going to be their fourth or fifth wings off the bench. It's not a, It's not a knock on their talent. It's just there's certain niches that the Wizards need filled, and I don't think either of those guys fill that niche for them right now. So um, Thomas Bryant and Denny, I, I think both are probably guys that you look and 
maybe try and trade as the deadline gets closer, but there's still a lot of basketball to be played before there are any definites on that sort of stuff. So I'm um, going to try and be positive and let things play out. And in Denny's case, I hope that there's something carved out for him where we can say, okay, he's making progress and he's really helping the team and needs to be in for XYZ situations because he brings uh, ABC skill set. So um, one of the guys that we kind of – uh, harped on in the preseason was Davis Bertans, but um, the the biggest knock is his defense. But two games in, it seems like I don't know if the numbers say on this, but it seems like Bertans is a pretty solid defender. Uh, what do you got for me with Bertans? Yeah, I mean the 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 that that play against uh, the rookie Forte uh, on the switch out, and he was able to force. You know, I think I don't know if he got a block shot on that or if he just forced a shot clock violation i can't remember but uh that play sticked out to me because you know duarte is pretty good off the bounce and he was able to to to, to play him well um and, and and you know contest the three-point shot um so i was you know his defense this year has been you know through the, it's only two games of course but his defense has been um pretty damn solid i mean even when he the first game against the raptors where he missed all his threes <laughs> He still came out uh, with a with a positive plus minus, and a lot of that had to do with just his his defending. Like he just was not giving up, you know, back doors. He wasn't getting, you know, guys weren't just finishing over top of him around the rim, or you know, he wasn't completely out of position on his rotations um, when shots went up. So it was just like, okay, well, if this if this is the defense we're gonna get, he's he's playable. You know, whereas preseason and before that, it was games where it's like, okay, if you're going to go 0 for, 0 for 6, 0 for 7, or 1 for 9, you know, from 3, you cannot be on the floor because you give up so much on the other end. If you're not offsetting it with your ability to hit 30-footers, then I just don't know how you stay on the court. But, um, yeah, I've been I've been impressed with his defense or, or for as far as what I expect from him. Like he hasn't been like some all NBA defender, but sure. Just from sure. what you know, just what I just need you to be just decent, man. Just don't be, you know, don't don't be a matador on defense. That that's all. Yeah, and um Bertans I think has definitely played well so far this season. And I mean it's a given, you know, and this isn't just for him, this is for all defenders. Sometimes you are gonna get beat back door. Sometimes our guys are going to finish over top of you, and some nights you're going to look absolutely putrid on defense. But what you want to see from guys like Bertans, where the narrative is that he's a shit defender, is you want to just see him be, and like you said, just just be enough um, on the defensive end. You know, we're not looking for anything fancy. I don't need you to be in passing lanes like Trevor Reese or pickpockets like Malcolm Brogdon. You know, we don't need that from Bertans. We just want you to be in position play good help side and bother some shots at the rim every now and then. Um, And and Bertans has been doing that so far this season. Uh, The, the hero of the season so far has probably been Howell Neto. I mean, you you can't say enough about this guy and the energy he brings. You know, I'll I'll say it's probably a tie between Neto and Harold. That's a lot of disrespect to Harold because Harold's done a lot of stuff, but, but money wise, uh, just contract value. You're getting the most value right now from Howell Neto, who is on the the vet minimum again somehow, which we we still don't really understand how that happened. But credit to Tommy Shepard for bringing him back in such a low deal. I doubt this happens again. 
if he keeps playing the way he does, he's definitely going to play himself into like the eight, nine, maybe ten million dollar range for rebuilding teams next off season. But um, Hollow Neto has been balling this season, and it, it's good to see that, especially on the defensive side, that he uh, he hasn't picked up or he hasn't uh, dropped off, and um, you know he's picked up where he left off from last season, and. The shooting has been there too for him. And he, you know, he'll get in traffic and he gets shots up in those um, stop, turnaround, fadeaway, mid range shots that he does. I still don't know how he gets those shots off and they barely touch the rim. It's, um, he's an incredible guy to watch. What have you thought about Neto's season so far? I mean, yeah. I mean, this season, I mean, it's just a continuation of what we saw from him last year. Like, he's just. I mean, he's like last year. He was our only three and D player for real. Uh, like, you know, he was yeah. the only guy that I would that that shot above average from three point, and also could hold his own defensively. You know, in in man to man matchups. Um, you know, and he it's just been a continuation of that this year. Like he he's gonna be above average from three point range, and even more so now. I'm seeing his ability to break guys down off the bounce and, and kind of get into that, that, uh, you know, elbow range boxes and elbow range and kind of hit that little one legged pull up, um, or fade away. Like he's been able to hit that too. And it's just like, and he's finishing around the rim. Like it's it just like in this crafty kind of way that he does it, he kind of slithers around you and scoops it up under you almost kind of like Tony Parker. Like it's, it's, it's wild. Um, and then and then he and he locks you up on the other end. He just gets into you and just annoys you. Um, so it's just he's he's been. I mean, to get to have him on a minimum contract. Uh, I mean that that those are the type of players that get you in the playoffs. Um, you know, yep. because you can get though if you can get those guys on vet minimum deals. You know that that type of player. He's just playing well above a minimum salary player. So I love it, man. I love Neto. He's like, I, I always call him like the mini Swiss army knife. Cause he can just, he does a little bit of everything, man. And he doesn't hurt you on the basketball court. Nope. Not in any sense. Does he hurt you on the basketball court? Uh, before we get into our predictions here for the week, let's talk about the, uh, the trio from the, the Lakers real quick. Uh, KCP, I really don't think there's a whole lot to cover. I think he's been doing his job, uh, hit a timely shot against Indiana, but he also hasn't done too much to stand out, which I think is actually a good thing. Um, someone, uh, his caliber of players certainly I think is more talented than what he's displayed so far, but I don't think that that's necessarily his fault. Um, Wes Unseldis came out and said that he, he needs to do a better job of, uh, getting him the ball and getting him some scoring situations. But I like what I've seen from KCP this season so far. I, I don't have anything to nitpick with him. Do you have anything on him? No, um, I, I haven't been, th- I haven't been overly impressed with him, but he's just a guy that just, you know, he's just a vet. He's going to hit timely shots and he's going to play solid defense. Like that's just what I expect from him. Um, and that, that, that flop he got away with, I think that changed the game for us against Indiana. Uh, that that oh, offensive yeah. foul he was able to draw, like that's just a KCP move right there. Like I, I, you know, if that was, you know, Isaac Bongo or Denny in that position last year, we're probably the one fouling. We're probably the one fouling, and and yeah, you know, yeah. Indy is going up at the free throw line. So, you know, it's just yeah, KCP doing what I expect KCP to do. 
Yeah. You know what about that foul, though? I think it truly depends on which type of angle you look at it, because there's two different angles that I kept looking at it. And one of them, it looks like a really bad call. But the other one, it's like, yeah, I, I see exactly why they called that. So um, yeah. that's one of those calls. Yeah, I think it could have went. Depends. I think it could have went either way. But I think KCP definitely sold it. He definitely yeah, sold sure. it. Because <laughs> sure. if, if the ref called nothing and just was like, you know, that's incidental contact, I, I could understand that. But I think because KCP sold it so well, it was like, oh, officer foul. Right. <laughs> so, it was wild. I'll take it, man. It. I'll yeah. take it. I'll take it. In a game like that, it, sometimes that's what it come down to. Sure. And that's what you need, you know. that That's why you bring those types of guys in. It, it's little things that can add up to that $13 million salary. You know, we don't need him to go out there and average 16 points, four assists, and whatever else, you know, sometimes just be in that vet presence and, and be in there when it counts again with that three pointer that he hit too. You know, he had been quiet all game, but, but comes in and hits that shot and another key three down the stretch there. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. you know, that's what you're looking for. Uh, yeah. Private school coups, man, I got to <laughs> tell you, I've been really impressed with Kyle Kuzma so far this season. He still has those moments where it's like, you know, what are you doing? But the, I think those are few and far between. And I think we've definitely seen a lot more positive than negative. And two double-doubles to, to start the season for Kuzma. And is kind of filling that, molding himself into that third score role, which I know a lot of people kind of pegged him into. You and me kind of were in, I still think it's Rui, and maybe we should just wait and see how it goes. But it looks like Kuzma so far is going to be that third guy. But what have you thought about Kuzma? Yeah, I mean, he's averaging 18 points, 13 rebounds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Um, I, I don't I don't suspect him to be 10-plus rebounds all year. Um, if he does that, he's an all-star. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if he can get you like eight or nine rebounds a game, that's a win. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he is 6'10", and, I, and, and he said something. He said something during his pr- – Presser where he was like, you know, I was a rebounder in college. And I was like, what? And then I went back and looked at his his college stats. He was averaging 10 rebounds a game in college. Um, so it's like, is that you know, he's not he was just like, you know, in LA, I had Dwight Howard, I had uh 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 who else did he mention? Um Oh, I can't I can't remember the names he went down, but he basically went down all the you know Anthony Davis, uh, uh, LeBron, Drummond, LeBron, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like Drummond, like those guys are there, so I didn't have to rebound. But he's like I rebounded in college, I can rebound. You know that's something I kind of pride myself on. It's just I didn't have to do it in L.A. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. If you can do that here. I, I just don't see him relinquishing that starting spot, man. And I, and I really like him at the four because yep. it's not so much the percentages of the three-point shot. It's that he's willing to take them. And yep. when he gets – he's looking for switches. Like, he wants you to put a big man on him. Go ahead and call for the screen and go ahead and put your five-man on me. Please do it because he has the advantage in that scenario every time. Um, because he has enough handle and fast switch to either go by you or step back, and he ha- he lacks no confidence 
shooting that three off the dribble or off the catch. Um, yep. you know, he has that little rhythm hop step that like I, I've I've noticed that Dinwiddie is kind of seeing it, even Bill is seeing it where when he's at the that on that like uh on that wing and you know the, the guard may have it top of the key, it's just a quick pass and he's already into that hop ready to fire it. Um and, and it's in rhythm and it's usually knockdown for him. Um so yeah, I, I've been I've been impressed with Kuzma, man. Like uh, you know, we we kind of talked about him and you know him being able to get back to that free flowing style that he can play where he can be an 18 plus point uh point producer. So that's yeah. about right where he's at. Uh so yeah, I've I've been impressed. I was kind of comparing this a little bit because one four around the NBA that I've been saying I would love on this team is Cam Johnson. And while Kyle Kuzma is not as good a, a spot shooter as Cam Johnson is, but he's still kind of filling that role where it, it's a perimeter threat and uh, can do some things off the bounce. But it's like, so we're getting that now and we're getting the rebounding numbers as well, which is one thing that I know I was personally concerned with coming into this season because Westbrook was gone. And if there was one thing that Westbrook did good and was uh, coming in there and getting the rebounds and um, yeah. So definitely a good season so far for Kuzma, and I definitely agree with you, and we've said this countless times, and other people on Twitter have said this as well. When Rui comes back, sorry, man, um, unless there's a change that needs to be made to put you in, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're not giving that spot back to you just for the hell of you coming back. And this was kind of a blessing in disguise, and not to say that I – I'm glad that Rui had personal problems or whatever. It's not what I'm saying, but, you know, who knows where we'd be with Kuzma right now because Rui probably would have started the season as a starting power forward, and who knows? Maybe we would have spacing issues right now. Maybe Kuzma would be averaging seven points and three rebounds off the bench, and we'd be like, what the hell are we doing here? So, um, Right. Well, I can tell you right now, uh, Rui definitely ain't taking eight threes a game. Like, Kuzma is averaging eight and a half three-point attempts a game. And he's hitting forty one percent from three right now through two games. Rui ain't doing that. Like I mean, he's he just not. He's nope. not going to shoot it at that volume from from three point range. So, uh, yeah. And and we probably don't see that if again Kuzma's coming off the bench and you're starting Rui. So, uh, yeah. I you know we're we're at a, it, this season is too important to kind of just give guys starting jobs because you know, they were the starter last year or the last two years or where they were drafted. Like, nah, you want to be the starter, yep. you got to you gotta earn it, period. Yep. <laughs> so. And, and Kuzma's more than done his part so far, two games in. A, a good test for him tonight is I'm sure he'll get matched up against Durant a lot. Good test for yep. him defensively. Um, Montrez Harrell, man, I mean, I don't even know where to start with him. But you can go ahead and start with Jones because um he he like I don't know how to he's just he's everywhere. Like you go ahead. I'm struggling to come up with words here. Yeah, so like he's just man, he's just like a See? he's like a pit <laughs> bull. Not, he's hard, a right? he's like a pit bull junkyard dog. I mean, whatever you want to. So many different animals you could use, like but it's superlatives. But like this dude getting MVP chance, man. <laughs> Who you know getting MVP chance coming off the bench? In like, DC. 
in DC, like where, you know, we've been criticized for lack of crowd, you know, uh, uh, engagement. Like, you ain't got to worry about that with Trez on your team, man. Like, that dude, it's just, he's just infectious, man. Like, he make you, he makes me, like, watching him, he makes me want to go and, like, dive on the floor for a ball or, like, you yeah, know, yeah. rebound harder. Like, you know, like, he just one of them dudes, man. Like, how are you going to come in the game? Like, it's kind of the way Russ played. I think that was one of the things Russ provided for the team last year. Just that constant effort and grit. But he's doing it from the five spot off the bench. And it's like, you don't, you see him like grabbing guys like, hey, you supposed to be here. You know, kind of woofing at guys. But he's doing it in a way where it's like, all right, you right. My bad. Like, it's not, it's not in a way to kind of like demoralize you. It's just like, dude, pick it up. Let's go. Like, and it's, yeah. and you know, he's not going to tell you nothing that he ain't doing himself. Yeah. Um, and, and even though he has his shortcomings defensively, like I think they, I mean, uh, the Pacers were just going after him in the pick and roll. Uh, and I think there was some communication issues there. Like you saw him kind of talking to the guards, like, oh, you know, to kind of, to help better there. But sure. you know, it ain't because he ain't trying, you know, um, or he ain't given the energy where it need to be, you know, given. So I, I just love to do, and I said it before the year, like he's going to kill second unit fives. Like they don't want no smoke with him. Like, <laughs> like especially against Toronto, like a front court like that, that's kind of young and small, you know, a Chris, uh, what's the guy's name? Boucher. I don't know how you pronounce his name. I mean, but he's a, he's a, he's a twig, man. Like having him, him trying to guard Trez, like it was just like, it's like barbecue chicken, man. <laughs> like every time Trez got the ball down there, he would do that little, he would do that little uh, lean in on him, and it was just like it was a bucket or a foul every time. So you know, I I love Trez, man. I I, I think he's gonna be a fan favorite for the year. Yeah, um, I mean, you recapped it perfectly. I don't really have anything else to add to that. I think that he's been a really valuable asset, and I knew he was one of those players that we were all going to like right away. Um, So definitely glad to see him making an impact so far. All right, on to our predictions here for the week. So right now, you and I are both one and one We had them uh, winning against Toronto, and then... um, uh, losing against Indiana, but obviously they beat Indiana. So uh, let me put this in here real quick so I can... Well, while we're doing in some filler here, just to, to cover the other side of the um, the Lakers trade, because I think it's going to be something relevant all season long, especially if the Lakers season ends up being a disaster. Because I tell you, um, I was looking you know, on the thread from the, the Lakers loss uh, the other night. And I saw one of the Lakers fans go, I wish we had um, more depth. We should trade Westbrook for some depth. And I'm just like, okay, so you essentially just want to reverse the trade. And I'm like, this is hilarious Um, because everyone was, oh, nope, we we need Russ. Russ is the greatest player ever. And it's just funny how some fans already are like, this is like, what are we doing? You know, Um, it's crazy because I'm like, man, they could they could surely use 
uh, a Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Hurl, and and uh, uh, KCP right now. Like that's exactly what they need. Somebody that can a guard that can score off the bounce, shoot the ball, and then quality bench depth when you know LeBron and AD aren't in the game. And they gave it all away for Russell Westbrook. So you know. Good luck to him, man. <laughs> Good luck to him. Their spacing truly is awful. Like their floor spacing is LeBron hitting five threes a game, and Anthony Davis having to step out and um, shoot a bunch of set mid range and three point shots. Which probably, I mean, mid range is fine, but three pointer. I mean, he can do it, but it's just it's not really where you get the most out of Anthony Davis, but. Um, yeah, when the, when LeBron James is your best volume three point shooter, you got a problem. You, yeah. you got like their their best shooter is probably it's either probably what Malik Monk or uh, Wayne Ellington, and Wayne Ellington doesn't even play. So and he can't play because he's just so bad defensively. Like you're not gonna put Wayne Ellington out there to just get cooked up and, and targeted. So. You know, like I said, like their best volume three point shooter is LeBron right now. Um, so uh, yeah, I think they need Trevor Ariza back, and they need Ariza. They need they need the Wizards and original Lakers Trevor Ariza back. <laughs> right. they, need, they need that Ariza back, or the or the Houston Rockets Ariza. The the not the Ariza that that was in Miami or the one that was in. You know his second time around here, or the one that was in Sacramento that just 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 for the money. That reason is not going to help them. <laughs> so yeah. we'll see. Um, all right, on to our games for this week. So the Wizards have four games from tonight to Saturday. We have the Nets tonight. Then we have Boston on Wednesday. That's the first of a back-to-back. We play Atlanta the next day, but we're back home for that. And then Saturday, we're still at home against Boston again. So at Brooklyn, at Boston versus Atlanta versus Boston. And then on uh, Monday night, I believe we play Atlanta again. So first game uh, tonight at Brooklyn. You got a win or a loss? Depends on the Beal plan. Um, I, I still think he's I, – I think that's the plan because Wes said last night in his press too that he was still expected and he was on track to play. Okay. Yeah. If if he's playing, I'm going to go with a win uh, strictly because I think our bench unit is just going to destroy the Nets. Like they're, they're, they're so thin uh, off of their bench. Like it's literally Patty Mills and a bunch of – Dudes that that that's probably should be retired, <laughs> um, and and young guys who have no clue what they're doing yet. Um, so, I think that's where we have the advantage. Obviously, we're not going to be able to. We don't have anybody that's as good as KD um, or 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 Harden. But Harden to me hasn't looked that good uh, in the in the game two games he's played. So, um, you know, hopefully this isn't a get right game for him. Um, I expect KD to do whatever the hell he want to do, but you, you, you're not gonna lose to one guy. Um, it's gonna be okay. Yeah, KD gets his thirty, thirty-five, 
and then you let Harden get 20 and 10. And then you also allow Patty Mills to go off for 25 or 20. Like you can't let that happen. Um, and that's why I think the matchup between Patty and Raul Neto is going to be interesting because I think, uh, you know, Neto can, can make him uncomfortable. Um, like, so if they're able to keep, you know, a third guy from going off, I think they, if Bill plays, I think they got enough to beat them. Um, but yeah, if, if it's a, you know, if it's a James Harden get right game or you, like I say, a Patty Mills goes off or Paul Millsap somehow, you know, goes back into his, his Atlanta Hawks days, then you might, you might not, you're going to, you're going to lose that game. So. Sure. Um, I really want to pick them to win. I really do, much like the Indiana game. But, um, you know, we've been really spoiled with a 2-0 start. Something's got to give eventually because so wizard. So I'm going to give them a loss tonight. Um, Wednesday at Boston. What do you got? Uh, man, that's tough because the Celtics. This is a tough one. The Celtics haven't looked good. And I feel like by that time against us, it's like they're gonna they're gonna need a win. Right. So like they're gonna be playing desperate. Um, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put that as a win. Like that's gonna be like a close nail biter, though. Like I feel like it's that might go overtime. Okay. I think that we're going to split these games with Boston, but I'm not sure which one to give them a win for. Yeah. Um, so you have you ha- which one? You said you had a win for this one, right? Yeah, win for the Celtics. Okay. I'm gonna okay. go. I'm gonna go L on the Nets. Win for the Celtics. I just I don't know which one I want to pick them to win. I'm going to give them the L for this first Boston game. I think they'll get the second one, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, So, again, we do Boston-Atlanta, Boston-Atlanta, but we'll do the second Atlanta game next week, and maybe that'll actually change our predictions a little bit. But um, this first game against Atlanta here, what do you got? And and this is a home game. Huh. Uh... Hawks have looked good, man. Um, and they have depth to match our depth. Uh, yeah, yeah. But so we're at home on that one. Ah, uh, man, that might be a pickle, man. Honestly, uh, man, I think I'm gonna go. Yeah, because Capella is a pro. Yeah, I'm going to go Atlanta on that one. I'm going to go Atlanta. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. I, I I would like to think they'll split with Atlanta on these games, but I'm not even sure if they do. Um, but we play them two more times after this because we play each division opponent four times. So, yeah, I'll go with the loss on this one. And then I'm going to give, I said they'd split with Boston, so I'm going to give them the win for the second one back at cap one. 
Um, are you going to split and give them the loss for this one, or are you going to have the Wizards starting off 2-0 and against Boston? Uh, I think I'm going to go 2-0 and against the Celtics, man. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think they'll split. I reserve the right to say that, I, again, for these two games, I think they'll split. I don't know how it'll come. But so I just went with the home teams winning just because, but it very well could just be the opposite. But right. Um, so so far through all of our games that we have, um, leading up to Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, I have picked the Wizards to win two games, and that was the first game at Toronto, and then this uh, game on this coming Saturday against Boston. So total, I predicted two and five. Um, you've predicted four and two. Right. Right, because I I got them basically, so they basically lose to the Nets and Hawks, and then they get both of their wins against the Celtics. Um, I don't know if I said two and five or two and four. I meant two and four. If I said two and five, I don't know what I said. Yeah, know what you meant. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, so we will see what happens. Uh, thanks for everyone for tuning in today. It's been a, a really good start to the season so far, so appreciate everyone tuning in. We will do Clubhouse. You're so good for Clubhouse on Wednesday after the Boston game, right? Yep. Okay, so we will see you guys Wednesday nights to sort of react to the Wizards at the Celtics, their second game this week. And uh, thanks to everyone who tuned in last time and did that. We hope we see everyone back this week, and hopefully some more people. It would be nice for uh, – people to come out and give their opinions again maybe if we have a good enough people we'll start turning it into sort of a live reaction podcast sort of deal but for now i just like kind of talk in post game and all that uh one last thing before we get out of here we'll sort of give our updates for our uh, our finals predictions so you had the lakers in the bucks and i had the warriors in the bucks um yeah warriors look good you know i the warriors are kind of like my second team and it's i just have I have a lot of respect for what they did um, some years ago and how they just took over the league. And I know that it was kind of difficult with their roster the last couple of years, but it seems like it's kind of settled now. And I feel like they have a really good balance of the young talent as well as some veteran presence. And I really just like the makeup of this roster. Uh, they're 3-0, and and they've played some quality opponents. So um, I'm really liking how the Warriors are doing so far. Bucks. Um, the the Bucks I think are actually Bucks are one and two, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they'll be fine. I, I don't have a reason to. So... <laughs> Not worried. Let's see how many how many undefeated teams do we have left? Um, seven. We have seven undefeated teams. We have the um, the Bulls and the Hornets in the East, along with us. Which uh, the Bulls haven't played anyone good this year. No, um, Hornets like have the easiest schedule to start the year. Yeah, which I think is good that we're getting some tough opponents out of the way this week. Um, in the West, the Timberwolves are two and zero. Look at Minnesota. I'm I'm sure they'll end up being two and thirteen in a few weeks. <laughs> right, they always thought I will, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh, no, Anthony but Edwards has looked good for yeah. them though. He's looked yeah, really, yep. really good. Yep. Uh. uh yeah. But yeah, but your Warriors though, man. I, I think it's so wild because they clearly they clearly took the wrong guy with Wiseman. 
Like, could you imagine this team with LaMelo Ball <laughs> under a rookie contract for the next three, four years? I think – see, I don't even know because of their guard spots if I would have taken LaMelo. But, I mean, I, I would have just nah. traded down. Nah, man. That, that dude that dude is – I mean, like, again, could you imagine LaMelo, Steph, play as your backcourt or your, your three-guard – starting uh, uh, line and then with Draymond and then, you know, you could put any goddamn big just a rebound and, 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 and block shots there at that point. Um, yeah. I mean, it would have been crazy. It had been crazy. And then like their two lottery picks, Kaminga and Moody, they don't even play. I think like, Moody's so actually been playing more than Kaminga. Th- yeah. Cause he could shoot it. <laughs> yeah. Like so, their last three, basically their last three lottery picks are you know either hurt or on the bench for real, for real. Like all of the guys they plan are like guys that've been there. Like Poo has kind of emerged over the last year or so. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. it's it's interesting, man. I I wonder, I wonder if they still try to make a deal to go get you know try to maybe cash in, maybe a couple of those young guys for like a a legitimate. Uh, sure. uh, guy. Like, if, if they wanted to say, like, okay, we're not going to play Kuminga, like, if you want to package, like, Ku- or Kuminga and Wiseman and someone else for, like, Jeremy Grant or something like that, I think that'd be a really good fit for them. Yeah. Um, You know, because I don't know how serious – I mean, but with those lottery talents, like, with Wiseman, Moody, and Kuminga, you could bring in, like, a legit, like, third piece. But with how they were in those championship days – um, it was sort of like an all-around. So even if they were to farm some of those guys off for like a really good six-man or, um, you know, something like that, like a really good bench piece, I, I think I would still do that because, again, it's like if you're not going to play them now, it's, what's the point? You're keeping them on the roster. So Yeah. Unless you're telling me the Warriors are going to rebuild in a couple seasons and maybe it makes sense to keep them. But I would think that, you know, you have, You've stuck with Clay Thompson now. You still have Curry. You still have Draymond. You know, go try and win it. Go try and do the thing. I think that they have solid depth. Walter Scano Anderson, Damian Lee, um, Jordan Poole, like you said, Otto Porter. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. th- they have some sneaky depth. Wiggins been solid. Like they just, yeah. I just think again. I just think they're a little too light up front in the front court. Um, mm-hmm. But like it is, you know, playoff wise, it's not so much about who's the most talented or who had the best record. It's about matchups. And I just feel like in the West, if they somehow got matched up against, say, the Lakers or or the Nuggets, um, even even the Utah Jazz, like I just feel like they would be at a disadvantage in their front court. Obviously, they'd be at a crazy advantage in the guards, you know, as far as their guard play. But I just think that front court is a liability for them. Um even when Wiseman gets back, because I don't know, I don't know if he's ready yet. <laughs> um, but I guess we'll see. Maybe the Warriors could be a Thomas Bryant destination. You know, who knows? Yeah, I could see that. Um, see all right, guys, thanks for tuning in and uh, listening to this episode today. We hope that you guys tune in Wednesday night for Clubhouse. I'll be spamming links all day Wednesday like I did last time but um, thanks for tuning in once again and we'll see you next time